Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And this podcast is brought to you by Everything's Everything's Coming Up Simpsons. Simpsons. Make sure to tune in on September 11th. We are talking about the episode Radio Bart with a special guest you may recognize. Hi, I'm Nancy Cartwright. And actually, I'm Bart Simpson. Who the (gasps) hell are you? Ah! We're so excited. this This is so good. This was one of our favorite episodes we've ever done. Mark your calendars. I don't know. You're probably already downloading it. What What is this life? Uh, September 11th, we are joined by, you already heard her, Nancy Cartwright. We're so excited. Please tune in. All right. Bye. Today's episode is brought to you by Last Rampage, the new true crime film starring Robert Patrick, Heather Graham, and Bruce Davison. And we had the pleasure of speaking to someone involved with the movie. My name is Robert Patrick. I play Gary Tyson. That's Gary Tyson with an I in the film Last Rampage. Evil broke loose in 1978. Arizona State Penitentiary. You know, that was interesting. What what, what it was like playing a real person as opposed to a, a fictional character. It was really trying to wrap your head around how this guy could do some of the things that he could do. That was the the things that you were drawn on. Of course, there was no way you're going to try to do an impersonation of a guy, nor was I going to try to, you know, get as heavy as the guy. Uh, I didn't have enough time to really go that route. But I, I, you know, I found him really, really interested in trying to live up to the charisma that he had. I fell in love with the folklore of the story, like there, you know, the the whole idea that he was a guy that was raised uh, during the Great Depression. See that, from a historical point of view, those kind of stories resonate with me. That yearning for something better, trying to find it, have to steal to get it. How do you deal with that if you're a religious person? You know, how do you run underneath that? How do you justify it? He had a double life sentence that he began to push his wife and his kids to say, God, you know, I'm going to serve one term, and when I die, I'm going to serve another term in hell. Uh, I got to get out of this. And, and the, 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 the link that he was willing to uh, uh, go to to get his kids to help him get through this and get him out of prison was, it was fascinating to me. Don't miss Last Rampage, the true story of the prison break of Gary Tyson. In theaters September 22nd and available for on-demand pre-order August 22nd. Find out more on Twitter by following at LastRampageFilm or on Facebook.com slash LastRampageFilm. Welcome to the X-Files Files. I am Kamel Nanjiani, and I don't know if there's any news to discuss. Um, can't, can't think of any. All right. X-Files is coming back to TV, so that might be news we should discuss. Six episodes. Uh, I am beyond excited for this. I mean, of course, we all are. We all are. I mean, it's, it's, it's so awesome. It's very... Oh, I have, I have few words. I have no words. Um, we don't know anything except that all the major players are coming back. There's going to be six episodes. It's going to be on Fox. So I don't know if it's going to be a mythology thing or if it's going to be a standalone that plays over six episodes or if it's going to be six standalone episodes or I have no idea. I just hope that they get a lot of the old writers back, like Vince Gilligan and Glenn Morgan and Darren Morgan and James Wong and all the, you know, the, the, the big guys, the guys, uh, Howard Gordon. I think I think that would be key to really doing a good job with this, but more than anything, just excited that this is happening. Holy shit. Oh, God. So, uh, as you guys know, I'm a, I've been on a bit of a break. We, we start shooting Meltdown tomorrow, actually. So it's been uh, it's going to be a busy couple weeks, but then I'll be back. So, uh, so this week I have a new episode with Max Landis, 
This is a flash-forward episode. It's season 7, X-Cops. And I think this is a good one to talk about because for several reasons. One, this is Max's favorite episode. He really wanted to talk about this episode. It's also, you see by season 7, how much the show has evolved, how comfortable it is with experimentation, with telling stories in new and fun ways. You see how much their dynamic has developed, how much uh, more comfortable they are with each other, even though, you know, by the end of season 3, they're, they're pretty established, but you see just how much more better than the, they've gotten than even what we're seeing in season 3. Um, it's also a good one because there are no real spoilers in this one. All you find out is that Skinner's alive, uh, Mulder's alive, Scully's alive, and that's it. It's a standalone with no spoilers. It's a good flash-forward episode to watch. Um, it's funny, it's cool, it's interesting, it's it's scary, uh, and it's an interesting way to tell a story. So, so we thought this would be a good one to do for that. Uh, so that's obviously comes out right now, and then I'm going to be off one more week uh, while we shoot Meltdown, and then hopefully I'll be back to recording new podcasts, maybe with a little bit more of a relaxed schedule. I think part of the problem was watching two episodes a week and being able to record uh, every week was just, it's just a little difficult. So maybe a little bit more of a relaxed schedule. I don't know. I don't know. Um, hey, Emily, I'm doing the intro to the X-Files files. Hey, guys, uh, how about that X-Files news? What news? Oh, you guys haven't talked about it? X-Files is coming back. Six six episodes. Are you fucking me right now? <laughs> really? Yeah, for real. Oh my god. Um, that's Emily. And <laughs> Hi, Emily. Um, the one I'm really excited about coming up, I mean, there's a lot of great episodes. There's mythology ones. Home is coming up very soon, so kind of that's the thing that's pulling me back in. I want to be able to do an episode with Home. It's hard to know who to do it with because it's... One of my favorite, favorite episodes, uh, one I've seen many, many times. It's wonderful for, 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 for a lot of reasons. I can talk, I promise. Um, so, anyway, God, I'm rambling. It's been a while since we talked. So, uh, enjoy Max Landis, at X-Files Files, I'm at Kumail, and, oh, I should mention, Silicon Valley, my show on HBO, not my show, but I'm on this show. It's a very funny show. Mike Judge created it. You know, <laughs> Office Space. Why are you laughing at me? You're really rambling. Get to the point. Beavis and Butthead. April 12th comes back. Right after Game of Thrones. Right before Veep. That's a solid night of TV. Two hours. Oh my god. That's that's great. Uh, Silicon Valley. April 12th. Watch that. At X-Files Files. At Kamel N. All the shit. Uh, <laughs> Emily's uh, laughing at me. So enjoy this episode and I'll see you guys probably in just a couple of weeks. Hi, Kamel. Dude, thanks for doing this. You're a big X-Files fan. I'm a big X-Files fan. Since early days. Since, since I was little. Uh, since I was little, yeah, except for I would get too scared sometimes <laughs> watching it. And I had, a, I had a sort of great renaissance with X-Files uh, about a year and a half ago, where oh, you watched them again on Netflix I watched from the start to the finish, all the way, all the way. And how was that? Because I haven't done that since it was on. Can I, can I tell you the two things that pop out at you, please? Number one, the show, even season eight, never gets bad, bad, right? Until season nine, that's when it's bad, bad. Yeah, and even then there's some stuff that's like, yeah. this is this is okay. But, like, the thing that's unique about the show is that it did... <laughs> a thing started to happen where I would notice shit about how up its own ass the show was in a way that most shows just aren't. In a way that was really positive. Do you remember Queequeg? Yes, of course. The dog? Yes. Do you remember that she finds, in, like, season eight or nine, she finds his tag? What? Yeah, she's clearing out her desk and she finds the Queequeg tag. From like five seasons ago. From like five fucking, from five fucking seasons ago. And I was like, wow, that's like a fanboy in its own head. Yeah. Like as a writer, like that's the sort of shit you always wish you could do and shows never really do. Well, and this episode is also what we're talking about X-Cops. This is like a flash forward episode because this is the one that you were really excited to talk about. Yes. And I, I fucked like, up. I fucked up because I said that not knowing that the 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 format of the show was in dude, order. So I yeah. watched three episodes. I also watched Quagmire. 
Oh, that's the that's, that's a really good one. Yeah, but awesome. yeah, but but X Cops is a good one to sort of flash forward to because it doesn't really occur in the mythology. Not many spoilers or anything. You can really jump forward, see where the show's gone. Yeah, and it's like pretty experimental. This it's, episode, it's I would describe it as one of the reason I w- wanted to talk about it for this uh, was because. For me, it's the best episode of the X Files. That's so interesting because I'd heard so many people say that they really loved X Cops, right? I remember when I first watched it, really liking it, but it didn't stay with me. And then yesterday was the first time I've watched it in years. It's a fucking fantastic episode. I always, I have muffin in my mouth now, but these muffins are fucking delicious. Oh, thank you. Emily made those, yeah. But no, the thing about X Cops is, you know, my, my sort of. To the public, anyway. My big break was the movie Chronicle. Yeah, which is a found footage movie. Which is a found footage movie, and I have very... I'm weird about found footage. I have very finicky rules for how found footage works. And I mean, the toughest thing about it is to justify why they're still filming. And this episode... Does it. it Kills it. It kills it. it. They're shooting an episode of Cops. It's fucking perfect. The stuff that's off camera. The cool thing about found footage is you can leave so much off camera. And it's not a cheap... B-monster. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. There's a wasp monster in this that you never see. There's Freddy Krueger's in this and you never see him. Fucking Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Freddy Krueger's on an episode of The X-Files. Yeah. It's just like, it's just next level inventiveness. Should, should, should I go over what the show is for, the episode is for people who don't know it or do we just Sure, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the episode starts, no shit, this episode of X-Files starts with the cops theme song. Yeah. And the cops (laughs) cold open, bad boys, bad boys, the full cops cold open. We then meet a cop. It's an episode of motherfucking cops, which, by the way, already is like, wow, this is the best idea. It's a great in idea. TV history. It starts with the warning that ex- that a cops episode start with, which is like viewer discretion is advised. Viewer discretion is advised for this and, episode of cops. And Vince Gilligan wrote this episode, and I heard he really fought to never have the X Files opening or an X Files title card. It's in there though. It's in it, there. It, he lost it the fight. Pissed me off. Yeah. Yeah, but he and it was interesting. I was watching it, and I was like, I hope it's not there. I hope it's not there. And then it was there. And it turns out that he really fought to not have it there. Well, it's just, it's one of the things that I have always dreamed about and should have happened by now. The fact that it hasn't happened by now is is a victory of cowardice and a failure of imagination. But how the fuck, like, like how the actual fuck in an episode of Sopranos did Tony not casually go to Baltimore and have to end up interacting with some of the characters from The Wire. <laughs> even for, even yeah. for Omar, even for a scene. And just not comment on it, not promote it. TV is so big. The worlds are so big. You know the retarded kid theory, right? The autistic kid theory? No, what's this? Yes, you do. What is it? What the fuck is it? Every single listener right now is going, of course, the that, the Tommy something theory. On, on was it General Hospital? What is it? Uh, it? No, no, no. It turned out that this entire TV series, in the finale of the show, it turned out that the entire TV series was actually the imagination of an autistic boy who was That's- looking in a snow globe. Okay, that was the series finale. Except the problem is, this show had crossed over with, I think, Homicide Life on the Streets. Okay. <laughs> and so Homicide Life on the Streets is all order. Okay. So everything that's ever crossed over with Law and Order and everything that's ever crossed over with that is all, including like, this includes X-Files yeah, and The Simpsons. Yeah. And like every show of the 90s takes place in the same autistic kid's dream. That's awesome. That's how like Newhart ended, right? When it turns out it was a dream of his last of series. Of the last show, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Um, but I, I, I'm glad you picked this one because it really shows that because I'm on season three. You see season seven, how much more willing they are to take chances. And it's also like you do a show for fucking six years. You got to find ways to like do new stuff with it. Yeah. And I like that X-Files embrace that. But it, it does that in a very interesting way because Mulder's whole thing. I love that Scully hates the cameras. Mulder totally takes to it. Oh, he's, he's, in, he's in there mythologizing himself. Oh, my like, God. I was I'm just going to say he, I wrote down self-mythologizing because <laughs> that's exactly what he does. He's on this crusade. And it also, I was thinking about this. It, it makes perfect sense that, you know, all the people, uh, uh, their fears are being manifested. Mulder's fear is that he's never going to have proof. 
And he doesn't have it in this episode. No, he doesn't get it. Yeah, he doesn't get it. And what you, I think that's very insightful of you to say because I think the more obvious fear would be something involving the smoking man or his sister or yeah. something. No, it's just like that it disappears, the sun comes up, and everything's gone. That's it's how gone, every X-Files yeah. episode ends with the sun comes up and everything's wiped clean. And that's what happens in this one. It's, it's the thing, the also, just the thing about this episode that I could talk about for way longer than we have is the way it's directed. Because do you remember when they raid the crack house? Yes. And there's oh, that tracking a, right. shot of all of the LAPD cars moving yeah. forward? Yeah. That looks like it's from a fucking Michael Mann movie. Yeah, it's beautiful. I honestly thought of Michael Mann when the episode started. It felt like um, Nightcrawler. Did you see Nightcrawler? Yeah. Did you like it? It was okay. I thought it, that movie looked really cool. It looked and it reminded it was me very of like, well directed. It reminded me of Michael Mann in L.A., like that kind of stuff. Yeah, great L.A. movie. Yeah, like Collateral looks like a beautiful L.A. So movie. so cool. Yeah. And it just feels, there's this sense of like... Uh, momentum that you don't have in a lot of yeah it's in, it's it's in real time yeah oh it's sold so in real time and it's 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 also they got the actual cameraman from cops to shoot Is the episode true? the whole episode only has forty cuts forty edits they shot it much quicker they said some sh- scenes they would only do one or two takes and just move on they did one scene that was like a five minute sequence they shot it in under an hour just because they had you know one take and they just did it nailed it and went home. I uh, I just directed a, a video for Ariana Grande that uh, this is relevant. Yes, uh, I think Ariana Grande is always relevant. But she uh, she I've known Ari for years, but she wanted me. She saw this short I made Jane L A, and she was like, "Can you make me a found footage music video?" And so oh, that's cool. And so I did. Oh, yeah, it. I watched that short. That was really cool. Did you like it? Yeah, you yeah, watched yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really liked it. It's a thank you. It's a found footage sort of. It's like you're a making a documentary. mini documentary yes, about yes. a girl. You yeah. watched it. That makes yeah. me so happy. I realized I've met that girl, Zena Gray. Yes, Cine Family. At Cine Family, <laughs> I met her because um, she was on a, in a movie called Snow Day. Snow Day, yeah, yeah, which I haven't seen, but the dude who directed that movie <laughs> is the guy I'd worked with, and he's awesome. And he was like, "Oh, this is." So when I was watching it, I was like, "She looks familiar." And then I looked it up, and that's what it was. She's fucking. She in that short. She. I. I hope she gets more stuff. Well, this is. Let me ask you this, because this is found footage. This comes out a year after Blair Witch, so ninety nine yeah. is when Blair Witch comes out. So clearly, this is part of the you know writer's pitch. Why did you choose to do Chronicle as a found footage movie? Okay, so you and have to, what do you think are the advantages of that to work? Oh, what are the differences? Okay, so you have to understand that Chronicle was not my idea. The plot of Chronicle is all me, but the 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 idea was originally the director Josh Trank, who at the time was an editor. He's doing Fantastic Four, right? Yeah, now. Uh, he he pitched me a web series. Uh, it, or maybe a feature. He didn't know how to do it. He was like, we can do it for like $30,000, $40,000. And I was like, I don't think we can do this. And, and he, <laughs> he pitched me the idea of like of a web series where kids do pranks with superpowers or a feature where kids do pranks with superpowers, but then one of them gets hit by a plane and uh, things go bad. And he didn't really have the characters. The amount of kids sort of shifted around in his pitch. And and my big thing, my two big things for Chronicle that I added to it were the the plot of the movie and also the floating camera was my idea. That Which it is, again, camera. you were saying, because it's hardest to justify why yeah. they're still filming, well, and that well, makes sense then. Well, what I did when I wrote Chronicle was I hate found footage films. They're very frustrating for me. I think Blair Witch did it. Yep. And, and now I've made fucking three found footage. I find myself going back to it and back to it because uh, the thing I love to do in found footage, and I did it in the writing for Chronicle, uh, I did it in Jane LA. Uh, the, it, it's interesting. My most important thing that this episode of X-Files actually doesn't do, uh, so maybe I'm going off on a tangent here, but is that what the camera shows betrays the character behind the camera. The reason we keep filming in Chronicle is because Andrew has turned the camera into a defense mechanism. He right. is hiding behind that camera because he hates his life. Right. And once he starts doing monstrous things, he uses it as a disassociative tool. Right. I'm still filming this. This isn't real. I don't have to cope with it. And, you know, the question, when I wrote my version of Chronicle 2 way back in the day, the big question was, who the fuck edited this? 
And that was the second question answered on screen in the opening of that script, which will never be made. But, uh, but there is a chronicle, too, but it's not your chronicle. I don't know. Too. Ask Steve Asbell. You know, okay. he's, he's, <laughs> he's in charge of that. I, yeah. Uh, I think they've had a couple of writers on it. Um, you know, it's it's a weird scene over there. It's Chronicle was a real fluke in how dark it is, how emotionally honest it is. Um, the fact that, you know, there was right up until we were shooting, they kept pitching me like, you got to change it. So the end of the movie takes place in a fight at a high school with just two of them and no one else. And Why? No, because they thought it made sense. And they did. But the ending of the movie is so big and epic. That's, and that's the idea. What's awesome about that's it. the idea yeah. is that it's the movie's about escalation, right? You know, the movie the movie is about the the escalation inside yourself when you're alone, uh, and the ups and downs of that, and how when you when you get alone with something like loneliness or get alone with something like anger, you can just go around and around in circles. And what saves you from that is friends. And that's what the movie, the middle right. of the movie is, is you don't have to be alone. Right. But then at the end, you're alone too long. You explode. Right. And I wanted to throw buses and fucking yeah. shatter windows. I mean, like in the script, there's a moment where uh, in the first, first draft of the script, there was a, a moment where Andrew's flinging cars so frantically he hits himself yeah. because they're just not good at it. In the right. movie, uh, well, they kept uh, – I was very happy Josh managed – that script – That it's, I, I was incredibly lucky with Chronicle because that movie is very close to my script. And that's Josh uh, really respecting me in that way. It was wonderful. But you know, there's a moment in Chronicle where Andrew's flying backwards. He just flies into a light post and knocks himself out right. of the sky. You don't see Iron Man do that. Right. And you know that's what found footage does is it adds – this fail video cringiness to when people are injured, right. you know, and and there's a there's actually right. a lot of that in X. Yeah, and it really adds like a level of intimacy too. Oh, yeah. Like so, so the part where you said Mulder's mythologizing and stuff, and first of all, f f f uh, you see the cop talking to the camera in the way that all these cops are always like. On that show, they're always like fucking going off on how important their jobs are. Not to say that their jobs aren't important, but these guys really love narrating. Well, they're they're it. Clint Eastwooding a little bit. Always. They're Clint Eastwooding a little bit, and I think that's what. Uh, and it really made me sad watching Mulder take to that so easily. <laughs> uh, it was really kind of sad, and then Scully not doing it, and it really like informed their characters. And it really was pretty tense, like those long takes when you first. Um, uh, I think you approach when they approach the track, the, the crack den. Oh, so wonderful. It's, it's so tense. And there's also, in the X-Files, the expectation is set up that you're going to see the crazy thing. Even if they don't see it, you're going to see it. You're going to see Eugene Toombs climbing through the vents. You're going to see, you know, a guy fully on fire. But with this, with found footage, the expectation is you might not see it, right? Which is what was cool about Chronicle is at the end you see all the fucking insanity. Oh yeah, we go there. Right. And you see steadily bigger and bigger versions Set of it pieces, throughout the yeah. script, which was very, very uh, intentional. Well, also, you know, like, what's interesting about the way that this found footage, they chose a monster that for found footage, do you think that thing would have even shown up on camera? What do you mean? I mean, it's it's a it's a monster. That oh, that I don't know how manifests what? your fear. It, you have no idea because the thing is that it's clearly a physical thing because it overturns the car, right. right? Oh, it's very strong and physical. Oh, the scene where it attacks the car is yeah, like it's awesome, genius filmmaking. Yeah. That's my second favorite werewolf attacking a car scene. Have you seen Dog Soldiers? Yes, I have. I really like that. The, in the beginning, there's a werewolves attacking a car scene. It's really cool. I like dog soldiers. I have a chip on my shoulder. I call it the aliens chip. Uh, I get incredibly frustrated by movies in which capable military people are confronted with a supernatural entity that they don't at least hurt enough to piss off. Right. I, I hate when a bunch of military heavily armed people are introduced and then they're all just killed very easily by a monster. I always am like... What do you think of Predator? I love it. They hurt it enough to piss it off. Right. I mean, they hurt, they hurt the Predator in the, by accidentally shooting into trees. We right. find his blood on a leaf. Right. I mean, like, and especially in Predator 2, which is not a great film, but would have been a great episode of The X-Files. Yes. Uh, you know, like, there's a sense... I love any monster where there's a sense of competition with it. And and that it's not it, like an all powerful monster. Like the there is there is a chance of getting it. Yeah, that's why. And paradoxically, although it informs my love of this, uh, that's why I love the first Alien. Is because of the, you. The whole movie, you're like, 
Man, if they just had a fucking gun. Yeah. If they just had a gun. And then you know what? Turns out you're right. Yeah. In Aliens, it turns out, yeah, these things don't stand a fucking chance. And then there's one million of them. And yeah. you're like, oh, fuck. Stakes up. Good writing. Uh, but yeah, I love people having a chance, which to this monster, I guess you really don't. The monster in X-Cops. Do you, you, you have no idea what you're even fighting. Because to me, the only death you see on camera is that woman who gets the hunter virus or whatever the fuck. I thought, doesn't her head get turned entirely all the way around? Horace? Doesn't a hooker get her head? You, it's off camera. Yeah. You, her head gets turned around, but when you, you go to it and her head's already Oh, the coroner. Gets the, the coroner gets the, con- gets the hantavirus. I love that. Dude, she's scared of it. How smart. How smart is fucking Vince Gilligan? I hate him. I hate him so much. I have like yeah. weird writer hate boner for Vince Gilligan. Just of like. I have a hate boner for him too. You know writer that, hate boner. You know that like the, the very specific why didn't I think of that? Envy, anger. Yeah. Jealousy. Like I, I feel that. And he just keeps it going for what now? 23 years? Yeah. He's been at it a long, long time. And he's the nicest, most down to earth guy in the that world. That makes him worse. Yeah. He's just like a Southern like dude. Um. What did you think of the gay couple? I love them. Yeah. Can I be honest with you? I love them. My, my, the weird thing about gay people that's hard. I'm very excited for the rest of this sentence. Oh, yeah. Jezebel's going to be all over <laughs> me for the second time in two years. But no, I, uh, the, the thing about gay people and people in general is that sometimes they're stereotypes and it's funny. Like you meet them in real life. Like the guy, the gay, the old black gay guy, I've met. Older gay men who are like that. And they're funny. They're funny in real life. <laughs> and, like, I love his, like, very frustrated husband, life partner. Yeah. Who's like, please stop performing for the cameras. Right. Because it feels as arch and silly and ridiculous as it is, it feels weirdly real. I thought I thought they fell. Well, it also grounds it in the fact, you know, their fear is that they're going to break up or whatever. I love that. That's so how, he's yeah. going to leave me. It really grounds it. And it really like peels back that layer of like, you know, these are like preening queens or whatever. And then you see that, oh, no, it's a real relationship. They're, 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 they have their own fears and they have their own life. And it was really, really, I really like that part of it. And I also like that sort of happens in the middle of the episode or the the, the you know, maybe the beginning of the last third. And it's a really quiet, like, they don't really do anything. They just kind of hang out with this couple yeah, for a while. they hang out with the couple. Mulder's wait, they're waiting. Yeah, and I also like this part where Mulder's laughing there, where I don't, I think it's just him laughing in the moment. It feels like a real reaction. I think it's Duchovny. I think it's Duchovny laughing. I believe it as Mulder laughing too. No, it, it, exactly. That's why I think it's good. He sort of goes goes with it, like he because the one guy's like throwing stuff at the other guy, and Mulder's like kind of laughing. It just felt like a very real moment, and I think a lot of these uh, found footage things can do that. You know. Well, it's it's you know what it is. It's a I, different kind of acting. I can talk about found footage forever. It's a completely different kind of acting. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it's both easier and harder. Uh, it's an easier and harder type of acting, and it's easier and harder to direct. Uh, I've found, but the thing that it does is it, it's a trick. It's a writing. I, I would say it's, it's a trick, which is it creates a sense of intimacy. Right. Just all you need to do is show the face someone showing directly to the camera. And then have them show a different face. And suddenly you feel like you've been let into someone's interior life, even if the writing's bad. And in X-Files, the writing's great, but you can, you can create movies, uh, movies like Poughkeepsie Tapes, movies like... Is uh, that a good movie? If that's the one where the premise is that this, these are tapes found that some serial killer had made, right? We found like 140 tapes of the heretofore, up until we found them, we had no idea a serial killer was operating. Okay. And now we know that he's the most prolific serial killer possibly in world history. Okay. <laughs> and it's a – I would describe Poughkeepsie Tapes as probably a bad movie. But in it, there are five – I would say exactly five sequences that are the most disturbing, intense, frightening, smart, terrifying – unbelievably creative sequences maybe ever in found footage like ever period there's a moment there's so a moment totally about, worth watching oh no 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 there's a whole moment where he like walks up to I'm, I'm gonna give one of the really early ones so I'm not giving sure. spoilers he walks up to a little girl on the lawn and he's talking to her and he's like hey little girl this isn't this, this and we know this guy killed this little girl oh. we know it from before that clip starts 
And we're like, he's going to convince this little girl to get in the car with him. And he's like, where's your mommy? And this and this and this. And we're hearing him. And then all of a sudden the camera lurches forward and just breaks her face and just kills her. He beats her to death with the camera. And you, it comes, it's not a jump scare. It's not a bah. It's an actual scare. It's yeah. a, oh my God. And then it cuts back to, oh, we're doing the documentary. And- yeah, what I like about that is that there's a sense of inevitability to it because you know this girl yes. is going to die and jump scares rely on something happening that you're not expecting to happen, and which is why they feel like a cheat. Uh, whereas this one, you know it's going to happen, it's going to be bad, and then it happens and it's still shocking. Well, there's just, there's a tremendous amount of really like rape and dehumanizing women in Poughkeepsie tapes that's presented in such a horrifying, you know, rape, when you put it in a movie, like it can accidentally be kind of not sexy, but like glamorized, like, like Monica Bellucci's rape in uh, Irreversible is a horrifying scene that shot down her cleavage, like from a ground level. And it's kind of like, oh, this is weirdly hot, you know, and then, (laughs) but then it's weird. It's scary, but you know, you're, you know, the thing that's cool about Poughkeepsie tapes is it's so scary that you don't want to watch. Like, yeah. this guy is a monster. Well, I think for me, and I'm a big horror fan, I feel like rape has become such a shorthand to, like, just get people to feel uneasy. To shock them. To shock them. Because obviously rape is horrible, and then they just, you don't really need to write as well. You're just like, oh, and he rapes there, and the audience feels bad. You don't I can't believe, it e- it's, the, it's the easy, I can't believe they went there. Right, exactly. I've also noticed that that happens in bad characterization. They make a character racist or something. Horror movies will do that. They'll just say something about a black guy, and you're like, oh, okay, Wait, this yeah. guy's horrible, and that's a really quick, like, cheap way to do that. I also thought this episode was really funny. There's the part where... <laughs> The woman swears, and then Scully and Mulder are talking about it, and he's like, "It's not live." That woman just swore. Yeah, I love which that is so really much. good. Yeah, I love it so much. I love all of the Scully, the sequence in which Scully repeatedly tries to bring Mulder away from the cameras, and the cameras keep following them, and yeah. then the cameras try to get in the car with them, and Scully just pull, doesn't she pull a gun on them? She doesn't pull. She, a, she gets like furious. She just keeps going. I hate you people. Yeah. I hate you people. Yeah, and there's one point where they split up, so there's two different cameramen. That's so good, and that. That's done so well. X Files does this really well. When they split them up, you don't know what one of them is up to. And here, that one, it, it's really immediate because there's a camera. So when Mulder's, here, you, Mulder's on screen, you have no idea what the fuck Scully's up to, you know? And then they meet up again. And it's just really, really, really well done. Um, I, I'm trying to think of what else was like. I have, a, I have another yes, go ahead. recommendation. Have you seen Lake Mungo? No, but Emily, my wife, really likes it. Lake Mungo has... Is it an Australian movie? Yeah. It has the scariest scare in it I've ever seen. Is it? It's not a found footage thing, right? It's a mock doc. It's a documentary about a girl who drowned in a lake. All right. I'm going to watch that. And uh, it has... There's only one scare in the entire movie. It's just like a really interesting doc about this girl. And then there's one scare... And you go like this. I was on my couch. I almost went behind my couch. Yeah. And then that's on screen for a second. And then they go, Doc Voice comes in and goes, and doesn't this look a lot like this? And then they cut to an image that you're not prepared to see, but doesn't come in with any sound. Right. That is horrible. And you go, ah! So like they just, they, they uppercut you and then they kick you while you're down. Like it, it's that just sounds awesome. Next level, awesome, great, yeah. great, great found footage. Um, I uh, have you, did you see Foxcatcher? What do you think of Foxcatcher? Whatever. Okay. I, what, what the hell happened to that movie? I'm, I should I should be careful since I'm a screenwriter. We're not allowed to publicly give opinions. But I like that movie was so good right up until Mark Ruffalo joins the team, and then it becomes like a weird music video. <laughs> This one scene that I thought, you know, I have many thoughts on the movie. That's one of those movies where kind of nothing happens and then one thing happens. And it's supposed to be like, holy shit, one thing happened. There's one sequence that I thought was really great. It's when Steve Carell's mom comes in. So great. Steve Carell is like coaching them. That scene is so fucking awesome and goes on for so long and it's so awkward and hard to watch. And, and a lot of it is shot from the mom's perspective. I thought that was really, really cool. It's just, it's, it's so bummery. It's that scene bummer. is such a weird bummer. 
Have you seen another movie that that's like this? Is a Michael Haneke movie. Um, it's uh, this 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 guy starts getting videotapes of his life. Do you know that movie? Cache. Cache. Yeah, Cache. That's fucking incredible. That movie's amazing. And there's one scene of like horrific violence. I don't remember which one. It comes out of nowhere. Tell me, tell me, spoil it. I okay. don't remember. I've seen. Well, Cache. we'll take this it. out of the podcast. It's yeah, and it's yeah, out yeah. of nowhere. It's so fucking that 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 one's really great. This this what's also interesting about it is that this is season seven. The X Files is definitely on its way down. And I and I looked and I it's like sixteen million people are watching it, which is where I am in season three. That's so how many people are watching it. But four and five it goes into the twenties, mid twenties, high twenties. So this one it's it's sort of back on the way down. And it feels like they're sort of like, well, we're going to die. They thought it was the, this was going to be the last season. So they were just like doing crazy shit. They, really? Yeah. They thought. What else is this season? Is this the season with the black and white episode? Um, oh, no. That one's a little bit earlier. Postmodern Prometheus? Yeah. Where look it, it up. Which is the one where it ends with Cher or yeah. someone? And, like, and they're like, he says, I don't know. Where are the writers? Which, which, which episode is that? That's, where he says, where Postmodern Prometheus is the one that's black and white, ends with Cher. And it's, that's, that is season five. Yeah. That, so that's that like episode's the height of fucking it. crazy. What I love about the show is that it sort of establishes what it is. Then it gets really good at that by season three. And then it starts jumping off and doing like other crazy shit. And uh, this episode clearly, clearly does it. It's also, you could tell, because I'm jumping ahead four years, Mulder and Scully's relationship has become so good. And the only, the first time they talk to each other, she goes up to him and she goes, hey, Agent Mulder, can I speak with you? And I was yeah. like, wait, that's not how they talk. And then she pulls him aside and she's like, what the fuck is this? What yeah. are you doing? And it's like, it's awesome. It's awesome. And they, are they already sleeping together in, in series, no, season the, seven? No. Yeah, it's all vague. Yes, they yes, are. yes. I, I thought you were asking season three. No, no, no. I remember. I remember. I had this moment watching it last year, where ever since their New Year's kiss, I was like, "Do you remember that? Like, that's like I season, don't. I, season three or four. Like, I, I sort of realized, oh, they could just be fucking the whole we time. We don't know. And yeah. there's one where Mulder like really casually lets himself into Scully's apartment with a key he had. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was like. Why do you have that? Yeah. Oh, they're just fucking off screen. They're pretending like there's sexual tension, yeah. but it's just we're just not seeing it. We're just not seeing it. Oh, yeah. Cool. Do you like the or, that they got together? How do you feel about that? I loved it. I, I, I. My problem with the show is that the show didn't know what to do. With it. What happened later? You've seen it recently, season eight, season nine. What is it that the show loses about itself? Everything. First of all, okay. I mean, like. Do you want me like to go into why X Files loses it? Number one, easy, 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 easy. And I don't care what they say. And I don't care if you have writers on the show that say I'm wrong. And I don't care if the fans can point out shit from season one that pays off in season whatever. They didn't know what they were where they were going. Yeah, and they've been pretty open about that. Like ultimately, like ultimately, like the black oil aliens and the and the thing with the government and like the. All that shit, the super soldiers, is not cool enough, and it's not weird enough, yeah. and it doesn't grow. It doesn't right. get weirder and bigger, and it, it just gets to a point where they all get burned, which is yeah. a cool episode. Right, right, right. I remember that. That's yeah. a great episode. It's a fucking cool episode, but then it's like, what the fuck next? And the, the answer is, is, have you read Preacher? I see yes. it down there. Yes. So remember in Preacher, like we have this really serious problem, right? That this giant evil Vatican organization yes. <laughs> is hunting us. Yes. Guess what? Third book of Preacher. Goodbye. Goodbye. They all get fucking killed by Star and right. Jesse when that crazy shit goes down with the assassin who's fucking with Cassidy in the pit. Yeah. All of the quote unquote big bads of Preacher are done by the third volume. Guess what? Air Star, that character who you thought was just sort of the Darth Vader, he's the new big bad. Yeah. You know what? We were wrong the whole time. God is the new big bad. Yeah, it keeps upping it. Yeah. I go go even further. Saint of Killers, is he good now? Cassidy, you're a prick. You're fucking my girlfriend. Like, what the fuck is going on? It keeps growing and getting bigger. You're meeting new villains who are dangerous in new ways, and they're ongoing. You know what the big failure of X Files? If I could go back and I could change one thing, if I could change one thing in all of X Files, I would bring back the monsters of the week. Yeah. Why was Tombs only in two episodes? Yeah. At the end of Quagmire, we see that there was a real fucking sea monster. Yep. <laughs> Let's go back to that lake two seasons 
questions later, man. Yeah. Why not? I mean, like, start building a world that's reflexive into itself, and then you can start tying shit in from all directions. But I can only say this because I'm Monday morning quarterbacking. Right. Like, you look at that show, and it's one of the smartest shows ever. It's one of the most cinematic shows ever. It's one of the most brilliantly constructed shows ever. You know what? Super soldiers aren't fucking enough. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's 2014. Super soldiers? Yeah. I, I just got to the point in season three where they're doing black oil. And it's so far in the mythology, that's the craziest shit you've seen. Like a sentient black oil that moves around and takes control of people. Right. And it's, and it's awesome in those two episodes. It's cool. I can sort of that's start. Where there's a plane crash, right? Yes. Yeah, there's yeah. a plane that's been sitting in the ocean. That's badass. There's a plane in the middle so of the cool. ocean. That's why it gets into the oil. It just gets into the oil of the plane, and it's been staying alive with this guy who's just been fucking trapped there for 50 years do you read, or whatever. Do you read SCP? No, what's SCP? Secure, Contain, Protect. No, what's that? Okay, so I'm going to talk about SCP for a second. Sure. There's a wiki called SCP, uh, secure, contain, protect. And what it is, is the database of a foundation that's been around since the early 80s, we think, that deals with anomalous objects. And by objects, it can be a person, it can be an object. This is real? Just listen. Okay. Uh, it can be a, uh area, or a house, or a phenomenon in space. They're all classified as objects, and their job, this organization is to secure, contain, and protect these objects. Now, what secure and contain and protect entails differs per object, but all of the articles take the same format. It is, and I say this without exaggeration, and I know I speak in hyperbole a lot, but it's the greatest collection of short fiction since the fucking Twilight Zone. It is genius. I will, I will send you a list of 12 of them. I will include the one I wrote. It's crowdsourced, except for very, very uh, harshly regulated and judged. There are about 2,000 and a half... A thousand and a half articles right now, two thousand and a half articles. And they are Kamel, if you like science fiction, if you consider yourself a fan of horror, if you consider if you like to laugh, I mean it is the best. I can't hype it up enough. I, I think the fact All right, that I'm it, very excited about this. Not, I'm gonna I'm write send that you down. a list of all my favorites. Yes. The fact that it's not a cultural phenomenon is staggering. I I, I, I love it so much. People don't like to read really. Yeah, but they're short. Yeah. And they're so good. I know they don't like to read. They like yeah. to read their texts. Yeah. But I mean like uh, – but uh, the reason I initially brought up SCP is a lot of the X-Files episodes feel like – or SCPs feel like X-Files episodes except the Black Oil would have been one SCP. Right. You know, there's right. a thing on the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, it just kind of distressed it beyond what was natural. And, you know, they it was meant to end after season five in the movie. And you could see that that's... The movie fucking was like nothing. Nothing happened. Well, but that's why. Because it was supposed to end and then they decided not to end it. So the movie really... There's no reason for the movie to exist. It was supposed to tie up... There is no reason for the second movie to exist. Well, yeah, I don't want to talk about the second movie. What the fuck? Yeah, listen, that's why they want to go back and do it. I'm telling you, there's going to be another X-Files thing happening soon. Hold on, I'm going to blow my nose. Yeah, go for it. Keep, keep talking, I can hear you. I'm just um, okay, so this one, 16.56 million people watched it. It's a Nielsen rating of 9.7, which, um, you know, it seems high, but uh, it really wasn't. This was X-Files on its way down, but uh, this is, you know... Even season seven, there's great stuff. The, a lot of the actors that they got were real cops. So those cops driving around and doing that stuff, they were totally real and they rehearsed, but they never, never rehearsed with cameras because they didn't want the real cops to become used to having, like, you know, cameras or whatever. So they rehearsed without cameras, and then they, most of them are real cops. The main guy is an actor, but most I, of them... I almost were. asked one of the dumbest, like, outside Hollywood questions ever. What was it? I stopped myself. What was it? So with, with that context, I almost said, wow, did they use real guns? <laughs> <laughs> that, that occurred in my brain, and then I went, don't, I don't say that, don't say that. Gun but, on set. Gun on set. Have you, ever, have you ever dealt with, uh, I have this problem on set sometimes, where they'll have like a bunch of cool prop guns, Yeah. and you like pick up a cool prop gun, and then yeah. nine people yell at you. They don't like it. They hate it. I've, it's happened. I picked up a sword. They hated it. I picked up a gun. They hated it. Stop fucking with that. Yeah, don't they, fuck with that. They don't like it. They do not like it. Yeah. But they, you know what's weird? I've never shot an actual gun, but these prop guns, most of them are real guns with blanks. The weight of it 
makes you feel stronger. I, you've never shot an actual gun? I've never shot an actual Buddy, gun. Buddy, you got to go to LA Gun Club as soon as possible and shoot an actual gun. Yeah. They are... My dad uh, t- said a great thing about shooting a gun, which is that you can be the absolute most gun control, anti-violence, anti-anything. Yeah. The second you shoot a gun... You are fucking Wyatt Earp. Yeah. And I was always like, I don't want to shoot it. It's loud. I went to the gun range in Florida when I was 19. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I'll just, I'll just shoot this pistol. And, you know, they let you for one price. They let you get a bunch of guns. Yeah. So I was like, I'll just shoot this pistol once. Bang. And I heard this voice inside my head go. Yeah. Like the weirdest, creepiest It's like the laugh. first time you masturbate. You're like, oh, okay. This is a big part of my life now. Better. Yeah. It's like when being cor- it's like being coronated king. It makes all of these crazy fucking people who are like, don't take my gun away. It makes them all make sense in a way that I hate so much. Yeah. And like we, uh, like uh, uh, two, two or so years ago, I went out with one of my friends and we were shooting guns out in a field and just at targets. And like a shotgun, when you shoot it, it obliterates things. Right. And the well, ability. It's like a burst, right? It's like having the force. Yeah. <laughs> it's I'm a way over here. That's way over there. I smite you. Yeah, and kaboom! Oh, it's very powerful. Computer monitor in a Yeah, it's just fucking insane. Yeah, Emily's parents have like eleven guns, and I've never shot one. They get, live in the south. You got to get in there, man. Um, oh, this is where Gilligan did not want the X Files logo to appear at any time during the episode. He stressed that he wanted X Cops to feel like an episode of Cops that happened to involve Mulder and Scully. That's his words. The network, fearing that people would not understand that X-Cops was actually an episode of the X-Files, vetoed this idea. A compromise was reached wherein the episode would open with the cops' theme song, but the normal X-Files credits would scroll after an opening scene. In addition, the commercial bumpers would feature red and blue lights flashing across the X-Files logo while dialogue is heard in the background in a similar fashion to the cops' logo. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, yeah. So that that all is really, really good. Did you... This is when they were... Season six is when Drive happens, which is the Brian Cranston episode. It's also Vince Gilligan, and it's the one that starts with, like, uh, this episode of X-Files has been preempted, and then it's news footage, and the news footage transitions into the episode. Have you seen that one? Is that the one where Brian Cranston can't stop driving? Yes. What, what, remind me what happens in that one. He's got a thing in his brain. Something happens where he has to drive in a specific direction at a specific speed. Otherwise, it, his, his head starts hurting. And it's the one where Mulder and Scully are trapped in a car with him. And he's this really horrible racist guy. <laughs> but you watch this episode and you sort of start seeing him and feeling bad for him. And it's, that's the episode that led him to having Breaking Bad later. That's why he was like, that's the guy I want, because he can do this. It's a fucking great episode. And if you want to jump forward, people listening, if you want to jump forward, see a later episode, that's one that doesn't ruin uh, continuity. What's interesting here is that I'm in season three where Skinner is sort of becoming a good guy. You don't know where he stands. Doesn't he get accused of killing a prostitute in this season? That's happening soon, yes. That helps him become a good guy? That's happening soon, yes, yes, yes. But in season seven... It's interesting because Scully calls him like he's like she's telling on him to the dad. So by this point, it's established that Skinner's like a good guy on their side. Uh, really like that actor um, too. Uh, all right, dude. Thanks so much for coming. I know you got to get out of here. Um, that was so much fun. Come yeah, here. that I was awesome. Can I tell you something interesting? Yes. So briefly, without saying anything about it, briefly I was sort of dancing around. Uh, a, a project that involved a group of sort of blue-collar people. Uh, I didn't originally come up with this idea, but it was a group of blue-collar people who had to deal with the fact that they worked for a company that was an extermination uh, an extermination uh, company for ghosts. And oh, that's cool. I was sort of dancing around this this project, and like this company used to have you know these four members who were very important, and then since then. Everything's sort of falling apart. Yeah. And it was interesting because when I would talk about this project in rooms, I would consistently bring you up as one of oh, these characters. Oh, nice. Thank you. And, and it's, it's funny to sit here with you because I sort of... Do you want to know what the character was? Yeah, please tell it me. It was a guy who... This company that exterminates ghosts has uh, these weapons. Well, they're not really weapons. They're sort of containment systems to deal with the ghosts. And uh, Okay. 
And All right. They and I, I thought they're based in what? What city would they be based in? Well, they they initially started in New York City, but okay. by the by the time this movie took place, there had been a national franchise and a cartoon show, okay, and all this different stuff that right. has since entirely failed, okay, because their entire initial success, it's we understand, and it was understood in the previous incarnations of this, yeah. that their initial success relied on the coming of a, a big bad ghost entity that sure. caused this to happen. Anyway, so they've had a lot of trouble, but uh, they, they deal with these containment units that uh, deal with advanced physics. Right, right. And uh, I thought, wouldn't it be funny if the dregs of these guys, like the yeah. new, the next generation, so to speak, you don't realize what a dumb title next generation is unless you say it. <laughs> and once you say it without Star Trek yes. next to it. Yes, yes, but, yes, yes. But uh, one of them was this guy who uh, had been a very successful physicist. Yeah. But his ideas about physicists, physics were sort of rock star and dangerous. Yeah. And, you know, there's only so much MIT will let you do. Yes, of course. So, and there's only so much, you know, even the Large Hadron Collider will let you do. Right. So this guy was like, well, who will give me particle accelerators and nuclear generators yeah. that I can wear, you know, they wear them on their back or yeah. thing. And, yeah, and yeah, that yeah. I can just amp up to infinity yeah. to see what I can do. And so this guy, at this point, his, his crisis in the movie... Each character had a crisis uh, that they were going through. Was that he was being approached more and more and trying to be poached by big companies that were like, "Come work for us." Yeah. But he was still working for this failing operation that had a lot of cultural value. Uh huh. And let him do whatever but he well wanted. Well past his its prime. Well past but, its prime. Yeah. Of course, in the finale of the movie, uh, his super amped up versions of their equipment become very, very, very necessary right. to the to the plot. And it was funny because I have pictured you in my head as I explained this uh, Ghost Exterminator movie to people again and again and again. For I, 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 I got to a point where I no longer needed to explain it to people uh, a couple of months ago. But uh, during the time where I was explaining it to people, I had to keep seeing you dealing with these things. And it's very funny to then have oh, you in front cool, of Oh, that's cool, man. Thank you. That's very, very flattering. And also, uh, it makes me very angry now. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, not based on anything, but I think I would look great in a jumpsuit. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I didn't say they wore jumpsuits, but it's funny that you yeah. in, inter inferred that because no, no, they do. They but do I would wear think jumpsuits. Though. What else would if you're going to exterminate ghosts? That just feels like a good utilitarian outfit to yeah, wear. It's simple, iconic. Yeah, it looks good. You got a thing on your back. Maybe some sort of you could have some sort of thing they could hold in their hand yeah, to like shoot look, stuff. At. You know, I don't know if. You like got to put the jumps. It wouldn't it be better if they were all women, though? All right. Okay, thank you so, so much. Okay. Thank you so much for coming. Dude. Feral audio. Hey, it's Josh Sibson and Jake Jabour from the Meat Improv. The Meat Improv is a comedy podcast where we bring on the best comedians in the world to tell meaty stories from their lives, and then they do improv comedy with us. You don't think we're good at improv? Check out this little snippet from Jake Jabour's real life. Hey, where's all my cats? <laughs> He never knows. <laughs> the Meat Improv. You can listen to it on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. That's The Meat Improv.